Father, as uh, we look into your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that uh, reminding myself apart from you, Jesus, I can do nothing. But through you, I can do all things that you've called me to do. And so we don't need to hear from me, we need to hear from you. So I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, helpful to those who hear in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our household, we kind of have this ongoing debate on which weather app works best, <laughs> Weatherbug or the Apple app. And I've given in to Janelle that Weatherbug is inferior to the Apple weather because it would be like 10 degrees difference in what it would say, like how cold or how hot it was going to be. And how many know weather in Colorado is pretty unpredictable, right? Who remembers in, in uh, Labor Day of 2020, it was Monday, Labor Day was 80 degrees, and within a 24-hour period, we had a cyclone bomb or bomb cyclops or whatever this thing is, <laughs> and it dropped like down into the 30s, and it snowed. Like, I was mad. You know how I hate snow to start with, and I just was like, how unpredictable this can be in the... In the the summertime, you know, nice day, and then boom, the storms come, and it's crazy. That's a lot like life. Life brings storms. It's not predictable. It's unpredictable at best. There is a, a story in the Gospel of Mark that I want to read to you to kind of set the, the table for what we're going to talk about this morning. It says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, without warning, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. Tuck that away. Jesus is sawing logs, and the disciples think they're going to die. With his head on a cushion... The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. <laughs> Ruminate on that for a little bit. They think they're going to die, and Jesus is asleep, not worried about anything. We'll get back to that. Life, I, I, I brought five categories of storms that come into life that are unpredictable. And the first one is the storm of disappointment. You ever been disappointed by people? No. Betrayed, relationships bad, life didn't go as you had hoped or planned for. Life brings disappointments, and those are, those are storms, depending upon the magnitude of the disappointment, and that can be, be very painful. Then there's the, the storm of depression. We all go through times where we feel some despair or depression, and when you think of that, that funk that comes on us when we feel depressed or anxiety, um, it's a cloud that kind of covers us, and it's hard to shake sometimes. 
thinking about the three sort of categories or sources of depression. It could be spiritual. If you're in a depression right now, it could be spiritual. The evil one is real, and he's always lying and whispering in, in our ears and trying to help make us not believe who we are in Christ. So sometimes it can be a spiritual thing. Sometimes it's circumstantial. You lose a job, you lose a loved one, and your circumstances have dictated this depression that you feel. Sometimes it is physiological, right? Your brain chemistry just isn't working right. Often, it's all three of those things together, working together. Then there's the storm of, of disease. You get a cancer diagnosis, health problem, diabetes. I remember sitting with Mark Bullion, our youth uh, children's pastor, if you don't know Mark. And uh, we, when we used to have our office at the Remax building, when we worked at, met at Woodrow Wilson, Becky, his wife, called him and had to break the news that Lilia had type 1 diabetes. This was like eight or nine years ago. And I'll never forget the, the storm that came into our office that day, so to speak. And Mark was, he was hurting. And they've had to deal with that, right, off and on because of seizures and things, you know, this fear all the time, this low-grade fear. They've had to deal with this storm that's always feeling like it's looming. Then there's the, the storm of disaster. The people in Florida experienced the hurricanes just a little while ago in other parts of the world. Think about last New Year's Eve, Eve, when the, the fire happened up in Superior and, and Louisville. I remember driving up there like a couple days after those fires and just seeing the devastation and smelling the, the wet smoke. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Then there's the storm of death, the great leveler, right? Death is no respecter of age, race, or social class. It's a reality that looms out there for everybody. So life, like the weather in Colorado, can be very unpredictable. And so I think there's two types of folk listening to me right now. Either A, you're in a storm and you need some encouragement. Or B, I hate to break it to you, but storms are coming. That's called life. And it, you will go through something, some sort of challenge. And so I'm praying and have been praying all week that this would help be something that you can turn to in the future when life gets unpredictable. So what should I do in the storms of life? What should you and I do? First one's the, the most important one, and it's run for shelter. Run to the Lord for shelter. When that storm comes, run to God. Run to Jesus. And the prophet Nahum says, the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. But sadly, often people do the exact opposite when a storm comes. They run from, away from God. They run away from him as their refuge because they get mad at God. Or why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? And it's because in our worldview, we haven't made room for the storms of life. We haven't made room for the reality that this is not heaven. We're not there yet. We are strangers in a strange land. We're passing through the day of no sin, no sorrow, or sickness is when Jesus returns. We're not there yet. Why was Jesus 
able to sleep in the middle of a storm. I think about that often. You know why Jesus was able to sleep in the middle of a time where everybody else thought they were going to drown? Jesus, don't ever forget, yes, Jesus is God, but he's also fully human. He entered into our humanity just, just like us. So he was susceptible to all the elements and everything. He was so in tune with his father. He was so connected to the will of his father, he didn't fear. He, he, didn't, he didn't get afraid. He knew that it wasn't his time. And I want to be like that. How many want to be like that? I want to be like that. I want to be in that peaceful, in the middle of a storm, being able to put my head on a cushion and, and find that, that peace. So the first thing is run for shelter. Second is pour your heart out to God. Pour your heart out to God. When you're in difficulty, a storm of life, pour your heart out to God. We're in a series called Longing for Home. And if you're new with us, we've been reading the Bible since Easter, going from, from cover to cover. And we've been trekking through um, the, the Old Testament. And right now in the Longing for Home, we're in that part of the Bible, on Sundays at least, where... The children of Israel are taken captive into Babylon, and so they are no longer in the promised land, and they're longing for home. They're longing to go back to Jerusalem and to, to Israel, and so you get in those, those books are like Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Esther, Daniel, Nehemiah, Ezra, and they're all about going back home. That's, that's their longing. And so today I want to look a little bit into the, the really uplifting book called Lamentations. If you've read Lamentations, it's like, oh my gosh, this is hard to read. But we think Jeremiah probably wrote Lamentations, um, but we're, we're not 100% sure the author doesn't say. But what does it mean to lament? To, to lament means to complain about God to God without sinning. That's literally what that means. And there's prayers, a lot of the Psalms, you read it and David's like, God, where are you? God, what's going on? But he always finishes with, but I know you're good. I know you're faithful. He's just pouring his heart out. That's what this uh, a lament is, is, is being real with God. You know that God, as our Father, invites us to pour our heart out to him? He invites that. Now, there's a way to, to complain to God and sin pretty quick when you forget his, he's good or you, you, you slam his character, things like that. But a lament is, God, I know you're good. God, I know you're sovereign. God, I know you're faithful. What's going on here? What is going on? Anybody ever been there? Yeah. It's part of relationship to talk to God about your pain. It's a, it's, it's a relational two-way street here. So run to him for shelter, pour out your heart to God, and then learn to practice his presence and listen to his voice before you're in a storm. Because how many know when you're in a storm, it's hard to hear? It's loud, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's all kinds of chaos going in the middle of the storm. I was talking with a good friend this week, and he has a storm that's coming. And as I was putting this message together, I was praying, and just got off the phone with him and prayed with him, 
And I felt like God gave me a word to call my friend back. And I called and I said, this is what the Holy Spirit told me to say, was because you've learned to practice his presence and to hear his voice before the storm, you'll hear it in the storm. And it was, a, it was really, he was really encouraged and lifted him up. And I thought, that's one of my points this week. <laughs> like that's the, it, for all of us. If you're not in a storm and you learn how to practice his presence and listen to his voice and find that peace in the middle of the storm, you'll be like Jesus, putting your head on a cushion and you'll, you'll be able to, to, to go through it like Jesus did. Do you remember the hailstorm of 2009? I remember uh, Janelle and I had already gone uh, to sleep and we just woke up to this crazy sound of all this hail and we couldn't even hear each other while we were, we were trying to talk. It was just so loud. And then you look outside and I had a, a tree had fallen on my truck and trees were laying in the middle of the street. It looked like a war zone. It really did. It was nuts. And it's hard to hear once the storm's there. So my encouragement is practice his presence. Listen to his voice now. Our author in Lamentations did that very thing. And in the middle of the lament, in the middle of the difficulty, was able to find peace. That's what it says. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember, and, re and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness? I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. When life is heavy and hard to take Go off by yourself, enter the silence, bow in prayer. Don't ask questions, wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble, take it full face. The worst is never the worst. I like that, man. That's, that's a guy that's practiced the presence of the Lord and knew, knows peace before the storm. So in the middle of the storm, and I did title this message, Riding the Storm Out. Did anybody... My age, catch that? Ario Speedwagon, baby. Um, I was going to play it, but then I thought, ah, showing off at that point. Um, la lastly, trust his good purposes and promise. God is good. Everything in life, how you see life, start with the foundational understanding that God is good, always. And then work backwards from, from that when the storms of life come. Here's what the author, author of Lamentations says, but I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. You heard me when I cried. Listen to my pleading. Hear my cry for help. Yes, you came when I called and you told me, say it with me, do not fear. Do not fear. I saw uh, an acronym for the word fear. Um, the other day that I thought was good. It says, fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. 
I remember when COVID was first a real thing early on in that March of 2020, and people were, we were panicking, right? And the world was in chaos. And I remember asking Jesus, I said, Jesus, are you afraid? And I've made that a practice whenever I'm fearful or worried about something. I say, Jesus, are you worried? Are you fearful? And I literally heard him kind of giggle at me like, yeah, I don't get afraid. And sometimes we have to recognize his presence inside of us. He's, he lives and dwells through the spirit in us. He's not afraid. And he wants to calm those fears. So ask him to relieve you of your fear. If you're in the middle of a fearful situation right now, say, Jesus, I know you're not afraid. Will you relieve me of my fears? And watch, watch what he'll do. When we, we think about storms of life, suffering, pain, difficulties, there is things that it's going to produce good in us. Have you ever heard the story about the man who walked by the, the butterfly trying to break out of its cocoon? There's a guy that was walked by and he saw this butterfly struggling in the cocoon, struggling. And he thought he would do the butterfly a favor and cut a little slit in the cocoon so that he'd help the butterfly get out early and stop the struggle. What he did not know was by doing that, he actually handicapped the butterfly once it was out of the cocoon. The butterfly that, you know, a caterpillar, this gross little thing with a thousand legs, spins this thing in the cocoon, and this metamorphosis, this transformation happens inside the cocoon to be this beautiful butterfly. It's one of the coolest things in, in nature, and just a fact that God is real, because you can see that transformation. But by trying to help this caterpillar through its struggle or do it for it, he handicapped it. So when the butterfly comes out of the cocoon, it couldn't fly, couldn't really even walk, and it didn't live very long. When you're going through suffering and you're needing to persevere, trust that God is working in you to prepare you and to grow you and to strengthen you. It's not the thing itself that we're going through. It's what is going to be the result of our perseverance. That's very important. So I, I wrote down a few of these I wanted to share with you. The first one is storms produce pruning. Storms produce a, a pruning, as Jesus talked about in John 15. He says that, he says, the Father cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. I was thinking about, um, if you ever see, anybody trim branches, fruit, uh, fruit trees, anything like that, bushes? There you go. Two of you, cool. Rest of you, let your HOA do it or something. But um, in, uh, when you look at a plant or you look at a bush that's been freshly pruned, I don't know why, but it makes me think of like a dog with the cone of shame on when they, you don't want it to lick its you know, sores or, or its stitches if there was a surgery, so they put the cone on. And dogs have that look like, yeah, I know, I look pretty dumb, don't I? And, a bush, next time you see a, a pruned bush, think about a dog. It's just got the cone of shame right on it. But here's the deal. God doesn't ask us how or when we want to grow. He's the gardener. 
He, and Jesus said that, that he was the vine, we're the branches, we need to stay connected and draw life from him, but that the Father is the true gardener that comes and, and prunes us so that we'll grow more and be even more fruitful. And then secondly, a storm can produce Christ-likeness. Jesus understands suffering. He understands suffering like, like nobody else does. And to go through difficulties in life, walking with the Father is going to produce Christ-likeness in us. The Apostle Paul totally understood suffering. He suffered much for the cause of the gospel. And he tells the Philippian church, he says, all I want is to know Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. And then storms also produce a stronger faith. When you go through difficulty, it produces a stronger faith. When it comes to pain in life, there's probably four things we can do with pain, and only one of them is the, the right one. We can try to deny it, pretend it doesn't exist. We can try to numb it with drugs and alcohol or shopping or whatever. Um, or we can try to run from it, or we can embrace it and say, Lord, you are going to grow me through this difficulty. James says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Storms produce dependence. And, and when we have dependence upon God, our faith is growing. Our faith is getting stronger. We're not rejoicing in cancer. We're not rejoicing in sickness. We're not rejoicing in betrayal. We're rejoicing because as we walk with God through it, on the other side, we're going to have a stronger faith. It's not fun, but we grow most through adversity. Um, I asked Brian to come up on behalf of, of he and Jill. We were talking this week, and many of you know they went through a pretty big storm um, after, well, prior to Channing being born, a couple of miscarriages that were, that were very difficult. And then after Channing was born, they got, um, you know, diagnosis that he had a tumor behind his eye. And many of you probably remember that because you prayed for them. But some of you maybe don't, don't know this story. And a statement that Brian made to Jill and Jill made back to Brian just showed me faith and share what happened there. Yeah, so the, to set the, the, the table for this, we, and I know many in this church have experienced the loss of miscarriages, and that's its own uh, journey to go through as a, as a family. But um, so we had experienced that twice after two pr pretty seamless childbirths of our first two children. And certainly that was growing our faith and our dependency on God and certainly one another. And so we have this young man that's eight months old uh, that has an eye issue. Many of you are familiar with the story. We, we undergo an MRI, and they find something very concerning. They find a tumor right in front of his brain. So they invite us back to Children's Hospital that evening on a Friday night. They admit us. It's finally one in the morning. We get to a room. They say, we're going to do a biopsy the next day. 
And the, the, the hour or so prior to the biopsy, we hadn't slept much. So Jill and Channing were sleeping in the hospital room. And I, I went into, I, I sort of had this Garden of Gethsemane moment with the Lord. I mean, for an hour in deep prayer and meditation, it was an emotional time, certainly. So they performed the biopsy and we're told that Channing has cancer. They, they biopsy this tumor. And we get back to the room and we're, we're both very emotional. Channing's kind of waking up. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sort of weeping uncontrollably, as you might imagine. So uh, the nurse is like, well, you're dismissed. You can go home. And I said, I can't go home yet. We've got, got two girls. I can't go home in this state um, right now. And so they said, fine, you can stay uh, for a while longer. And so I'm sitting there on the bed, and Jill's with Channing across the room. And I, and I thought about many instances when I know people that have gone through crisis um, wrestle with God and their faith, and they say, God, how could you do this? And they start to walk away from the Lord. And I had this conviction in the moment. I said, and I called out in the room to Jill. I said, Jill, we will not shake our fist at God. We will not renounce our faith. And what seemed like a minute, but probably was 10 or 15 seconds, Jill, after a pause, said to me, we haven't thus far. Why would we now? And I think that um, I, I knew we were going to be okay in that moment. I think the proclamation that came from my spirit and, and her affirmation of that said that we're going to be okay. And we, we were resolute at that moment that we would not walk away from God during this time. Now, what we had no idea of, and I, I will tell you that we, we did not make those statements from a place of uh, false expectations or really any expectations at all because I was picturing I'm getting ready to shave my head with my son that's probably going through chemotherapy or whatever we have to do to get through this. Well, three weeks later, through some amazing circumstances and a miracle firsthand witness by the Lord that they now tell us that it's no longer acting like cancer. They can remove the tumor. The tumor is removed, and this young man is healthy today to God's glory, but, you know, and, 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 and we've not shared that with many people, but, but I think as we spoke this week, Scott, that there's a moment when you have a decision, and it's very hard to make the decision that no matter what you want from us, Lord, we will continue to praise you, and we will struggle through this with you, and as you read in James, uh, we, you know, this somehow is going to produce maturity in us, and, and we're thankful that he chose with us, the, what he did too. Yeah. So, thank you, yeah. thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank that. you for letting me share. Jill, thank you. It's uh, it did make your faith stronger. I've seen it in in both of you. And and here's something I want to emphasize, though. Sometimes things don't go the way we ask for. It's not God's fault. It's called trusting. You know, they God did a miracle. And sometimes it just doesn't go the way we hope for. It's, we don't turn on God, and God hasn't turned on us. It's, Lord, I'm trusting you. I mean, this year's been a weird year for my family. My, my cousin dying of brain cancer, just a few years older than me. And then, you know, don't you think we all prayed that she'd be healed? Of course we did. And, and then her, grand, her grandson, 10 years old, hit by a a car and his little scooter and he dies i mean there's sometimes you just go i don't i don't get it but you're lord yeah. you're god i'm not and i'm trusting you you know from eternity past into eternity future how things are going to work and so i'm 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 with you remember that that word that 
Jesus gave in John chapter 6 after he had done the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. All these people were following Jesus. He was a rock star at that point. Then he gives a hard word, and all the people leave except for the disciples. And he turns around and he looks at him. He said, uh, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where are we going to go, Lord? You hold the words to eternal life. I think that's what your statement was, is we're not going to shake our fists at God and we're not going to renounce our faith because he holds the words to eternal life. Where else am I going to go? There is nowhere else to turn. So then lastly, storms produce empathy and compassion. Empathy and compassion are cousins. Compassion is, man, I'm, I'm, I'm moved by your pain. Empathy is, hey, I've been through what you're going through. So I not only have compassion, I also can identify with how you're feeling. Look what the Apostle Paul says about this. All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a failure. We can always cooperate with God. We're going to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness, that, that old hymn, as a way of getting our minds focused off our storms and on to the one who calms the storms in our life and gives us peace. Great is Thy Faithfulness was written by Thomas Chisholm, and this was like in the late 1800s. And, and as you read the words to this and sing the words to this song, know that this guy was in the middle of a storm when he penned these words, and he found it in the book of Lamentations, Great is Your Faithfulness. He had sickness, and he was in poverty because he couldn't work. And he went, once he read the words to Lamentations 3, something leapt in him, and he wrote it out as a poem. And he later was on the mission field, and he sent it to one of his friends, and he took it and, and put the words to music, to the hymn that we now sing today. So would you st stand with me? And let's sing this. If you're in a storm, he's faithful. When the storms come, he's going to be faithful. He always will. Give him your fears. Give him your concerns, your worries, your anxieties. Focus in on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith.
Okay. <laughs> 
give God a praise and hand. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we uh, go from gathering together today, may we walk in the Spirit. May we walk full of the life of Jesus in us to live the kind of life that you've called us to live. Help us to leave our burdens at the cross. Lord, I I pray for those who are in the middle of a, a storm. God, that just as we were singing, Lord, your peace that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And God, I thank you. Um, thank you that you're never caught off guard by, by storms or any of that, Lord. So prepare us, help us, um, strengthen our faith. And Lord Jesus, we agree with you that you are Lord of all and Savior of all. Give you our hearts fresh and new today. In Jesus' name.